have been pulled over by the law? Like, how, how many of you have been pulled over by the police? How many, I'll phrase it like this. How many of you have had an unwanted encounter with the law, right? Yeah. It should be just about everybody. My wife isn't raising her hand because she prides herself on the fact that she has never been pulled over by the police. But we've all been there, right? I feel like we've all, we've all at least been in the car with somebody who's getting pulled over, right? And, and you, know, you know how it goes. It's, it's horrible. You're, you're driving along, and then all of a sudden you hear the siren chirp at you in the back if you didn't see it. And you look back, and you see those red and blue lights right on your tail. And, and you pull over, and you feel that pit in your stomach drop, and you feel your anxiety shoot up, and your hands begin to get a little sweaty. Like, even if you know it's not going to be that big of a deal, like, even if you know you just rolled through the stop sign or whatever, and if you're like me, you just start to feel really guilty. I just, I just start, yep, mm, I just start to feel really guilty, right? Sweaty and anxious. And, and they make that slow walk up to your car, that, that ginger, you know, that stride up to your car. And they, they knock on your window and ID and insurance and all that. And they, they take all your stuff and they go back to the car and they, and they look you up. And then, and then they come back. And, and whether you were speeding or whether you ran a stop sign, or whether your registration is out of date, or, or if you have no idea why you got pulled over. In that moment, in that moment where that police officer comes back up to the window, every single person is hoping for the exact same thing. We're all hoping the same thing happens. You're praying, you're hoping that that cop just hands you your ID back, hands you your insurance card back, tells you to have a nice day, rolls your window up, turns around, gets back in their car, and drives off. Isn't that what we're all hoping happens? We're just hoping that just this once, they're going to let us off the hook. That they're going to give us our stuff back, get back in their car, and let us go about our business. Do you know what we call that theologically? Do you know what we call that? What, what we are hoping for in that moment when we speak with language, like church language? Grace. That's what we're hoping for in that moment. We're, we're hoping for a little bit of grace. We're hoping to not get what we deserve because it's in that moment of, of guilt where we feel exposed. We know that we're in the wrong. We know that we've been caught. There is a clear and present penalty for what we have done, and we probably knew about it before we made the decision to do it. And in that moment, you just hope all of that goes away. And you hope that police officer gets back in their car and leaves you alone. What we're craving in that moment is grace. This is how we define grace in the church. Grace is the undeserved, unearned, unearnable favor from God through Jesus Christ. That, that's how we would define it. We use that word a lot, and I think oftentimes we don't really throw a definition at you that you can sink your teeth into, but that about sums it up. Grace is the undeserved, unearned, unearnable favor from God through Jesus Christ. It's when God ought to be leaning away from us because of what we have done. God is instead leaning towards us despite what we have done. And I think we as a people, we, we crave grace. We want it. We, we need it. We, we yearn for it. But there's a threshold of grace. There's a point where there can be too much grace, where there can be so much grace that it starts to make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. And usually when that happens is when we see someone else 
receiving a level of grace that we don't think they really deserve. And when we see that, and we begin to feel a little uncomfortable, usually we say something. It's a phrase that I'm sure all of us have said. That's not fair. That's not fair. They don't deserve that. They didn't earn it. I did, but they didn't. And that's not fair. Our parable this morning that we're going to look at gives us a really, a really challenging and a really uncomfortable illustration of, of grace. And it forces us, I think, as the reader to face head on that question of fairness versus grace. So I want us to read it together. We're still in the gospel of Matthew and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius for the day, which was a day's wage, he sent them into the vineyard. When he was out and about around nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he was out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received a denarius, a full day's wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you've made us equal to them. We've borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of God for you, the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. Most people aren't fans of this parable because what? Because it's not, it's not fair. It's not fair that the first workers are paid the same as the last. It's not fair that one set of workers worked for almost 12 hours in the scorching heat while the last round rolls in and works for maybe an hour and gets paid the exact same thing. It's, it's not fair. If, if you ran a business like that today, the business would go belly up. So not only is it not fair, it just, it just, it just doesn't make sense. If you're like me, when you read this, it makes you think of all the times in your life when you feel like you were treated unfairly either just by life itself or by someone in your life. Like I'm betting all of you have stories about how you feel like you were, you were misjudged or you were blamed for something that, that you didn't do or, or maybe you feel like you aren't really paid fairly at work right now compared to how your coworkers are paid. Or maybe you feel like for some reason your child isn't being treated fairly at school for whatever it is compared to the other children that they go to school 
with. Or maybe there's something in your DNA that makes you predisposed to some disease compared to other people, and, and it's, just not, it's just not fair. It's not fair that you were born with that and somebody else wasn't. And you know what? You're right. You're right. None of those things are fair. Because when a child says those words for the first time, what is the phrase the parent or the guardian usually says back? That's not fair. Well, you know what? Life isn't fair. Some people make the team and some people don't. Some people get sick and some people don't. Some children are born in environments where they have everything that they need and some while others struggle to find clean drinking water. Life isn't fair. Our world isn't fair. And and this parable, the reason it is so uncomfortable for us to read is because this parable forces us to see that not only is life not fair, neither is God. You see that, right? I think that's why this parable is so uncomfortable. Because when we read it, we realize that not only is life not fair, neither is God. God isn't fair either. I think so often we think that the path to wholeness and the path to happiness and the path to joy and meeting and purpose and fulfillment and and all of that stuff is just getting what we deserve. If I would only get what I deserved, then I would be happy. Then I would be fulfilled. Then I would have everything that I need. But I think that's that's an illusion for us. I don't think what we're actually craving deep down is fairness. I think what we're really craving is is grace. That's what we see about God in this parable. God isn't fair, or in other words, God is a God of grace. The truth about our God is that his, his greatest attribute, the greatest thing about our God and in my opinion, is not that God is all-powerful. It's not that God is all-knowing. It's not that God is all-present. It's that God isn't fair. Or in other words, our God is a God of grace. I think this parable about this master and workers in the vineyard, it, it forces us to see, no matter how uncomfortable it might be, that our God is a God of grace. Our God is in the business of giving us what we don't deserve. Our God loves us when we don't earn it. Our God forgives us when we don't deserve it. Our God erases our debts when we can't pay it. Our God stays with us even when we turn our backs on him. Our God is a God of grace. And friends, that is the good news of the gospel. That's it that our God is a God of grace. So hear that this morning. Hear it and grab it and take hold of it and put it in your pocket and take it home this evening and keep rolling it around in your head. And then begin to process that all of the people that you don't think deserve it, that they also receive that same good news, which means our enemies have access to the same grace. means that person sitting on the other side of the political aisle from you, they have access to the same grace. Oh my gosh, these local election commercials. That person that just grinds your gears at work, them too, they have access to the same grace. The person that has wronged you and you know they're in the wrong, they too have access to the same grace. 
That's where this idea of, of undeserved and unearned and unearnable, it's, it's where it gets really tough for us. Because if I'm being really honest, I don't think the first workers in our parable, the ones who worked the full day, I don't think they would mind the grace if they were on the receiving end of it. I think the reason they mind it, the reason it upsets them is because they aren't the ones receiving it. Because this parable isn't what? It's not, it's not fair. And it's not fair because our God is a God of grace. We can't read this parable and not see that right in front of us, that our God is a God of grace. But it's really important for us to not stop there, even if there's a lot of discomfort there for you, thinking about people that don't deserve it, receiving it. Because I think this parable also challenges us to not just be a people that realize that, that God is a God of grace, but be a people that are seeking to live it, to be a people that are a people of grace. Because if you think about it, it's, it's one thing to accept that grace for yourself. That can be challenging enough to truly forgive yourself and to begin to see yourself in the mirror as you believe God sees you. It's another thing to watch others who you don't think deserve it receive it. That can be really challenging. But it's a whole other hurdle to try and be a person who's living it. It's a whole other challenge to try and be a people of grace. This past week, I was driving on 65, and there was a lane closure. And I don't remember if it was a wreck or if there was construction or or whatever. I just know that I had somewhere to be. I think it was a little wreck. I just know I had somewhere to be, and there was, or maybe it was construction because there were cones. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I had somewhere to be. There was a lane closure. And you know what happens when there's a lane closure on the interstate. You realize that there are two types of people in this world, right? There are the people that realize there's going to be a lane closure. They see that first sign, they hit their brakes, and they ease over into the lane that they know is going to be open at the end. And then there's another type of person that hits the gas, jumps into the lane that's going to close, and gets as far up as they possibly can, and then tries to squeeze over in front of all the cars that did the right thing, right? You'll be pleased to know that your pastor is one of the people that hits the brakes and gets in the lane that's going to stay open, right? I'm proud to say that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on that one. But if you want to see me angry, if you want to see me resentful, then you should be a fly on the wall when one of those other types of cars tries to merge in front of me when we finally get up to the point where the lane is actually going to close. And I was there this week. I was in that situation this week. I, I had gotten over when I was supposed to, We had gotten to the point where the lane actually closes, and sure enough, sure enough, there were a couple cars that were waiting and trying to edge their way in front of everybody else. And I had really good reasons to not let those cars in. They didn't deserve it. I got in the lane that was open, and they didn't. I waited in line, and they didn't. I earned it, and they didn't. It wouldn't be fair for me to let them get in front of me. What about all the cars behind me that also waited in line? I'd be doing them a disservice, right? So I didn't let them in. I got honked at by them. Madison will be glad she wasn't in the car for that, but I did. They honked at me, but I I didn't let them in. 
And then the car that was right behind me let all of them in. Let all three of them in. And I'll be honest with you, I felt, I felt a little more frustrated and angry than I'd like to admit in that moment. And then I, uh, I, I sat down to finish writing this sermon and, uh, and I felt really embarrassed, to be honest with you. I felt, I felt really embarrassed because I read that parable and it just felt like I was looking in the mirror. If I'm being totally honest, it, it felt like a gut punch almost. Because when I read the story about the first workers and how angry they got, I just, I just saw myself hugging the bumper of the car in front of me, trying to make sure that they wouldn't squeeze in. What I realized is that, is that, you know, I'm, I'm calling you to be a people of grace here in this room and that I couldn't even let a car emerge in front of me, right? I think letting that car that we don't think deserves it, that we don't think earned it, that letting them merge in front of you, that I, I think that's probably what being a people of grace looks like. I think it is. And, and my guess is that there's, there's probably an area of your life where you can incorporate something like that. There's probably an area of your life where you can incorporate some of that grace. And you may be asking the question, well, why in the world would I want to do that? Because that doesn't sound fun. It sounds hard. And the answer is this, because our God is a God of grace. And we too have already received what we don't deserve. Because remember, those who showed up first got paid last. And those who showed up last got paid first. Because our God is better than fair. He's full of grace. Thanks be to God. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.